You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1041. Michael Barony is our guest today. The Orange County Bar Association not only provides a wide variety of programs for working professionals, but also helps to open opportunities. I've asked Michael to be here today to, because not only is he the president of the Orange County Bar Association, he dedicates his time to raising awareness for the mental welfare of attorneys and helping them find an outlet for stress. He joins us today to tell us more about his passion. Michael, welcome to the radio show. Rick, thank you so much. Glad to be here. It's uh, it's awesome to have you here. As I told you before we went on the air that my son is a practicing attorney and my daughter-in-law, his wife, is an attorney as well. So we're, we're many of those professional people in our organiz- in our family, at least. But let's start with you. Can you share uh, for our audience that's listening to us live here on octalkradio.net or maybe through the Facebook live stream or maybe they're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the podcasting services. But let's talk a little bit about you. Can you share a story about your professional path that will help my audience to get to know you a little better? Well, definitely. You know, I've always been an in-house counsel. I've never worked at a law firm, so that's a bit of a rare distinction there. Um, so I've always seen companies from the inside out. And, you know, one story that always jumps out at me, um, I've worked at several different companies, so I can say this without it being linked to any company. But, um, you know, I've learned along the way you really have to get rid of bad seeds um, people who are uncoachable, um, you know, when you have the chance to. And I'll, I'll turn that to lawyers. You know, a lot of business owners looking to hire attorneys. And my advice is really strong about if you don't like your lawyer for one reason or another, if you have a gut feeling that that's not a good fit, it's probably best to move on from that. You know, I came into one company. I was looking to clean it up in all kinds of ways. And there was one attorney that I, I knew I was probably going to eventually, you know, have to ask him to move on and, and cut ties with an outside litigator. And um, I ended up terminating him after I saw a lot of overbilling and fake receipts and the bills and things like that. Oh, my goodness. And he got very arrogant with me and said, you know, I've been around a lot longer than you have been with this company. And I'll probably be with the company working for them after you're gone. And I said, no, I don't think you understand. I terminated you, you know, from <laughs> representation for this company. And he said, well, it's, it's defamatory because you must know about what's going on with my lawsuit. Well, what I didn't know is that he had been caught sexting uh, court reporters and translators in mediation centers by pulling his pants down and sexting these pictures. And I thought, you know, I should have listened to my gut instinct earlier before all that happened because um, I've learned that when when you get a bad feeling about outside representation, Mm -hmm. if you just don't like them as a person, if you don't feel comfortable communicating with your outside lawyer, um, it's it's best to move on to someone that you do feel good about. We're talking with Michael Barony, and he is the Orange County Bar Association president. He's also a practicing attorney, and he's in-house legal counsel. Tell tell my audience just briefly what is the typical day like for you when you what type of issues make it to the in-house legal counsel's desk? Yeah, being in-house is fascinating because you deal with every kind of issue a company can possibly face, and they, of course it depends on the kind of company you're with. I've been with um, giant manufacturers. Um, I've been with internet infrastructure companies. I had a brief stint in investment banking in New York and book publishers and magazine publishers and now a a large amusement park company, one of the world's premier companies in that area. And so you get to deal with everything from animal law. I mean, I may handle legal issues having to do with penguins or a killer whale or sharks to, uh, of course, lawsuits because we're – 
you know, most litigious country you know in, in the world unfortunately you mean now, lawsuits from the public maybe exactly i yeah. mean um you you will get lawsuits no matter how well you run your business that's a very sad fact and it's a scary thing for business owners obviously particularly if you're smaller and you may not be able to absorb the impact of a couple frivolous lawsuits so you took me exactly where i was hoping we could go with that question which was generally larger firms can afford an in-house counsel and many times uh companies that listen to my show you know a couple million to a hundred million Unfortunately, on occasion, they also need assistance. But as a professional, uh, I'm not asking for any legal advice, but just from your experience, what areas should a business owner who doesn't have the benefit of a full-time in-house counsel, where should they be super careful or at least cautious and aware of the potential for legal action or some type of need for outside counsel? Well, you know, virtually every company has to deal with outside parties, vendors, contractors, et cetera, and sometimes it's staffing agencies, et cetera. I would highly, you know, strongly urge uh, business owners, when you're dealing with contracts, get legal representation because the contracts really form um, the basis of your entire business operations. What's okay. in those are, are either a legal shield or it's an open door to liability. Uh-huh. So, so look, can I pick at that a little bit yes. more? So it's my belief that anytime you sign something, you should really know what it is you've signed. Absolutely. And the scary thing is, depending on what the laws are and depending how things are drafted, you may be a very smart person looking at it at a piece of paper and, and understanding the plain English language, but you may not understand certain ramifications, particularly in California, where we've got, you know, the, the most liability-laden laws in the entire, you know, mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Well, I just... I signed a new publish a new agreement with a uh, my new publisher, and I read through it, and I read through it, and I gave it to my attorney, and she read through it with a, a bunch of questions. Do you know? Did you realize this is what you're they're suggesting by this line? I'm like, no. And some of the stuff I was comfortable with, but on a couple, just a couple small points, she was actually really helpful in just helping me suggest alternative language that would meet my expectations and hopefully theirs, and, and it did. So that's an excellent example of how the attorney-client relationship should work. Okay. Um, because you absolutely want someone who's going to be able to communicate to you. Hey, here are certain you know warning flags throughout the contract. I'm saying here are things that should be mentioned that aren't, and then. To to communicate with you about what your situation is, what you care about, what type of risk you're willing to absorb or not, mm-hmm. and how much you want to fight through certain provisions. Right. So we're talking with Michael Barony. He is uh, inside legal counsel, but he's also, we're having him on here because he's the 2017 OC Bar Association president. We have a few minutes left in this segment. I wanted to ask you about the Bar Association, if I could. Thank you. So specifically, what does the president of the Orange County Bar Association, what's your role, Mr. President? Well, it's incredibly exciting, unbelievably rewarding, and you're basically the representative of 9,000 um, bar members, lawyers and judges, and lawyers who practice in every kind of imaginable area, lawyers who are from every kind of ethnic background, young, old, etc. And it, it's such an honor to serve because you're basically the figurehead for a year of the legal community. And we do a tremendous amount of volunteer work. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours that go into volunteering for the bar. Everybody who's on the board, for instance, everybody who runs a section, everybody who's on a committee, this is all volunteer time. Mm -hmm. And we have an incredible uh, staff at the Orange County Bar, uh, led by Trudy Lewandowski, who's kind of like a CEO of a company. That's how I look at her as a general counsel. That's how I see her. And, And so we cater to every area of law and educating attorneys 
attorneys um, for every possible type of issue and, and you know legal matter that you might you know ever see. But we also uh, do a lot of uh, matching of attorneys uh, to clients who need them. Um, some of that's pro bono work. Other times it's just a legal referral system that we operate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's nice is that Orange County Bar really has a reputation across the nation of being, you know, the absolute finest in its operations. Oh, really? We're not the absolute largest, you know. Right. We're, we're behind giant cities like New York, LA, et cetera. Um, but we're known as a really premier entity in terms of operational excellence. Why is that? I think that's because uh, the talent here is so enthusiastic in, in the pool of Orange County lawyers, for one, and the volunteer time that goes in. People are very passionate about giving back to the community in mm-hmm. this community. I, I've never seen a community quite like Orange County in terms of that kind of charitable giving and wanting to do good for people. But it's also the quality of the staff of the Orange County Bar because, again, I go back to saying, you know, I look at the bar like a company and everything starts with your leadership right. and and trickles right on down as to who you uh, select to hire. And we've got premier people um, in everything from IT and marketing and graphic design and our editor of our magazine, just everyone who, who works at the bar is, is a top-tier person. So how do you become the president? of the Orange County Bar? What it's, is it's a fun, long run. And you know, okay. typically, um, I would say you have to be um, around and volunteering in a lot of different areas for probably at least 10 years before you're well-known enough and, and trusted enough to right. even vie for that kind of position. And we have nomination committees that kind of vet people so that we try to put up the best uh, possible people who could represent the bar. And then you go through an election process. So I actually you know, won an election oh, okay. back in 2013. Did you have competition? I I did, and okay. everyone does, and it's very competitive, and uh, you know we we all kind of campaign very gently, but we we campaign right. basically by getting out there and um, showing our face at as many activities and events as we can and working with all the affiliate bars. We have about 14 affiliate bars. Some of those are minority bars. Others are are bars that focus on a certain type of law, like the federal bar. Okay. And you said judges are also part of the the association? Yeah, judges are are a core component. So, for instance, when I was sworn in as president um, in January, we call that judges' night, right? So we don't call it president's night because to us, it's really all about honoring the, the judiciary. Okay. And and, and, I, and I can say, too, I've, I've had lawsuits all across the country, all 50 states, and I've been to a lot of courtrooms. And Orange County, I'm not just saying this, is extremely impressive with, wow. uh, with the quality of the judiciary, um, the federal judges and, and the uh, you know, civil superior court judges. Well, wow. Well, that is all information I had no idea about. Um, last question in this block, kind of keeping it with the bar. Is there a uh, – I heard about Judges Night. Are there – fundraising events for when you're doing work pro bono or trying to help out organizations are there calendar events that the bar association kind of supports and advocates for in other words could could non-attorneys look at this list and maybe find some organization times that they want to go to an event or something or is it really restricted just to the community yeah, the bars are really um the events are pretty much restricted towards attorneys attending certain events okay but what we uh, do is we do pull in a lot of outside talent for assistance with us uh, certain community outreach events. For instance, that can be open to families of attorneys and things like that. We do about 20 charitable uh, community outreach events a year. Okay. And we um, have a very big gala every year. Um, we call it the Wine Tasting Gala, and we had it in the Newport Beach Country Club this year. And What that, time of the year is that? That's usually around, um, we've switched it to August, so it's late August. Okay. Okay. And a very exciting event because that's all driven towards raising charitable funds. This year, uh, we raised about $145,000. Wow. And then that all gets uh, put out through the Charitable Fund Committee. 
who then uh, hands it out to charities all around Orange County. So it sounds like to me that a lot of what the president is doing, what your role is, is really community relations and kind of getting the members to be active in a philanthropic way within the community as well. That, that's a great way to put it because, uh, you know, when you're at the presidency, um, of course you want to lead with integrity and honor, but you also sure. want to lead in a way that makes everyone feel inclusive, everyone included, and build the collegiality, but then do a tremendous amount of community outreach. And for me, I, you know, I kind of took a new tack. I, I, I felt very strongly about law enforcement. So, you know, I, I got to know all the police chiefs and the sheriff and the DA's office hmm. who I'd never met in all my years at the bar, and it was important to me that we at least created some relationships with them. also reached out to um, a lot of the elected officials because I wanted closer connections between you know our, our, our politicians and sure. the bar um, and and anything we can do along those lines whether you're helping you know um, immigrants who need legal help or whether you're connecting uh, you know to a police chief I think it's all very valuable that the bars stay very closely connected well I I'd like to continue this conversation, but our engineer is telling me it's time to take our very short break. So the loyal listeners out there, you know that we're going to be back in like 30 seconds. So you don't really have to go anywhere if you're listening to us live on octalkradio.net. And if you're listening to us as a podcast, I mean, you may want to hit that 30-second skip ahead. But it's really not necessary because this is just a brief word from me about one of the products or services that I offer. We'll be right back. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Live radio here on octalkradio.net. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're going probably, what's he talking about? Because our editor, Crystal Nunley, will take out that little bit of dead air that we had when we came back from that break. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our radio show. You know, since we started in 2009, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live stream podcasts and other channels simply type in critical mass radio show those four words in your favorite podcasting software and like magic you'll get our weekly shows we do two to four shows a week this is the first if you're listening to us live of four shows that we're going to do and we're talking with the get this the president of the orange county bar association we've been talking about the bar association and about michael's background a little bit michael barony i wanted to ask you about the other initiatives that you, I know that you are personally very uh, passionate about, human trafficking trafficking. Can you tell us about that and your other passion? Yeah, thank you. So, you know, every president has the chance to try to advance initiatives they care about that are that are good for the bar and good for the community. And for me, when I learned a couple of years ago um, through my friend uh, Susan at the DA's office about the human trafficking problem in Orange County, I was astounded because I would have thought, okay, maybe there's a handful of people that are actually being trafficked and, you know, aren't most prostitutes on the street kind of doing it, you know, willingly. And there's a mindset that a lot of us naturally have that if you don't see someone kind of chained down somewhere, you think they can run away. 
what you learn is that this is unfortunately a bit of an epicenter in the USA for human trafficking. Uh, pimps can make more money in Orange County than anywhere else in the country, even more than LA, New York, etc. And the horror is that you know, one pimp and one girl, he can he can force that girl to turn enough tricks that the pimp makes about $250,000 a year just off of that one girl. The average age of these uh, victims is about 13. Oh, my God. And a lot of them are runaways. A lot of them are actually driven in um, by pimps and, and people they know from other states. Some of them are foreigners, but, you know, a lot of people that I talk to assume that it's mostly probably foreigners coming here and doing it. It's actually only about 20%. Um, mostly these are U.S. born kids, and they're getting mostly females. I take it mostly females. There are there are a few cases of boys, but overwhelmingly it's, it's a female driven thing, and it's not just the streets and seedy motels. We, we're finding a lot of people running um, high end, uh, you know, kind of sex dens out of uh, condos and houses in multi million dollar neighborhoods. Wow. So, so what are you doing as far as uh, in your role to? Well, you're here today to raise awareness to this. But what kind of other activities is, are you as the president of the Bar Association trying to help bring awareness to this? Right, So, and that's that's the great question because it's a daunting task. When you look at this, you say, well, what on earth can we do? You know, But to me, I look at the Orange County Bar and I say, there's a tremendous amount of talent and resources there. We should be able to, to marshal our forces and do something. So there's already a existing uh, task force at the law enforcement level, but I created a task force at the bar uh, led by uh, appointed chairs, just Springer and Jennifer Tennant, um, and we formed a task force of, of people who volunteer their time, and we, we you know, basically have the means to say, what can we do? Now, you said awareness. That's the most crucial piece. So a lot of what I've been doing is going around to all the section meetings at the bar, giving pitches on human trafficking, first to create the awareness. Right. We have a great meeting coming up on Wednesday uh, for attorneys at, at the court. Um, and that's going to have a human trafficking survivor represented in the DA's office, uh, Judge Hernandez, who's uh, in charge of juvenile courts. And, and the more we talk about this, what happens is the more we're driving volunteer time for people who want to help, and we're also driving uh, volunteer goods, which are desperately needed um, by girls who are trying to get out of life and literally don't have anything of their own. You know, the pimps own them is how they, they teach them, and the pimps own everything that they, they may wear, mm-hmm. use, etc. So a lot of the times when they're picked up by law enforcement, we're trying to get them out to shelters. They have nothing but a pair of socks on, their underwear, and maybe a T-shirt. And so by uh, having necessities drives, that's been a, a very big help for the girls. It sounds like it because um, a couple of years ago we had the sheriff on and we were talking about a specific program uh, to get early, to keep prisoners from going back. And one of, the, one of the things that she talked about was if they don't have a support system after they get out, the only life they know is and the social network that they have pull them right back into the life of crime, which ends up getting them back into jail. And so it yes. sounds like this case as well, especially for a person either from a different country or a different part of the country, you can get her out of there, but the chances of her going back are pretty great because I'm sure the pimps know she's a valuable commodity and if it's all she knows. So having that support network from the bar is probably really valuable. You're so right. I mean, you know, these kids, they're often brought up in very rough homes. They're often abused from a very young age. Right. In some cases, for instance, we even had an Egyptian girl who was smuggled into the U.S., kept 
inside an Irvine home and made uh, to function as a labor slave, you know, for 16, 18 hours a day, eat the scraps out of the garbage that oh the family might give her. And um, she was eventually discovered by a, a kind of watchful neighbor and, and gotten out of there. But you're right that that's a person who needs help. They need a lot of support. They need time to wean themselves off that life and to become independent. Right. That That is that's a delicate balance, isn't it, Michael, between having neighbors who notice something that's odd and neighbors that are overly I- intrusive in that, though? So what what yes. advice have you seen from studying trafficking that the people that are listening who might live in Southern California could learn about how to kind of watch for someone that's in distress or Rick, That's another great question, and this is one of the ones we focus on because – for instance, I, I certainly wouldn't have known a couple of years ago what to look for. Right. And, you know, you might drive by and see, for instance, a girl and, you know, what looks like kind of prostitute attire, and you'd think, I, I've seen that in the past, too. And I thought, oh, gosh, it's so sad how kids are dressing these days. Now I look back at that and I say, was I witnessing a human trafficking victim? Right. You know, getting pulled into a house by a kind of rough-looking older woman? Um, very sadly, a lot of these girls are getting branded. So we're trying to work with hospitals, you know, healthcare providers as well, to be on the lookout for girls who come in who, who don't look very healthy, who look kind of beaten up, you mm-hmm. know, um, well beyond their young years. And often they have things like barcodes put on them. They've often got the pimp's name and um, indications that the girl is owned by somebody else. And and so when when healthcare professionals see that now, they're they're starting to contact law enforcement. So that's a big, big first. Wow, that seems almost unthinkable. And especially another, in America, right? That, exactly. That another human in this country and in, like you said, Orange County. I could see it in L.A., even, you know, some of the larger right. cities, but not this bedroom community we know as, as Orange County. So this is amazing work what you're doing. I have about four minutes left for you on this segment. Is there anything else that you're passionate about that you're doing work in or the bar is working in that you would like to raise the awareness of our listeners to? Yes, thank you. So, so you know, some years ago I noticed there were a lot of our members who have disabilities and, and illnesses and who really struggle, particularly if you're a solo practitioner, you know, your business can collapse, your whole life can collapse if you've got an illness and you can't work anymore. And I, I just was kind of heartbroken by some of these stories. And I thought, you know, the bar does so much for so many people in the community, but we had no, nothing that focused on our actual attorney members. Hmm. And so I formed uh, Amicus Allo, and that's Latin for friend, support, and care. And um, it took off far greater than I ever thought it would. Good. What's happening is that it proved to me that there are a lot of silent suffering attorneys out there. And I was shocked by the statistics that came out this year by the American Bar Association. Attorneys have about six times the rate of suicide of the general population, far higher rates of depression, higher rates of divorce, um, about three times the rate of heart attacks of any other uh, professional group, and about 30% higher in alcohol and substance abuse. And law students, shockingly, when they were recently polled, you know, about 80% of them came back and they said they're already severely stressed about law school studies and their future career and how to pay off their debt. That's a big one, too, right? Carrying... So, so I looked at this and I thought, my gosh, you know, um, I, I pointed a real community outreach guru, Sharon Farutan, who's an attorney, called mm-hmm. Johnson, and asked her to be in charge of this. 
And, um, and she's done a great job of, of working with me to say, you know what, we, we need to do something about attorney wellness because attorneys put on this mask of being, you know, kind of invincible and strong and no one wants to see a weak lawyer, right. right? But at the same time, there are a lot of us out there who are suffering silently. And at least among attorneys, we need to, I think, increase the civility and compassion amongst ourselves right. and find better outlets for work-life balance. So if someone would like to learn about this initiative and the other things that you're doing as the president of the OC Bar, how do they? Where would they? Where would you suggest they go online? Well, you know, I would encourage you. Don't have to be an attorney to look at the Orange County Bar website. I okay. think that's very informative for a lot of people. We do have a page on on Amicazalo with some resources for people okay. who are suffering all, all kinds of issues. Um, but we do have a legal referral service as well if someone needs an attorney. But I would encourage people to look at the Orange County Bar website and and look at some of the materials there because I think it's highly applicable to a lot of people in business and um, you know people who need kind of help, you know, you may see all kinds of things on that website that, that trigger new thoughts and mm-hmm. trigger areas where you realize you might need somebody's help. Right. So I want to thank you for giving of your time today to talk not only about your, the organization that you're representing this year, but also the work that you're doing on behalf of the community. I've, I've learned a number of things, Michael, in our conversation. Thanks for being a friend of the program and, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. Rick, it's a, a true honor to be on your show. Thanks so much. This is awesome. And I'd also like to thank our engineer for today's show, none other than Paul Roberts, our producer are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, Twitter, I'm CEO Peer Groups. LinkedIn and YouTube, it's Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Our Facebook page is the same as our website, Critical Mass for Business. Until our next show, which of those who are listening live on OC Talk Radio will be in about seven minutes. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, just wait for the next podcast. I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.